ER pastors and Pastor Steve, it's great to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, just great to see everybody that's here. And uh, God has some good things in store for us. Amen. I just sense by the Spirit of the Lord that he wants to talk to you just a minute as I have the microphone just for a little bit, is that we're going into a season of increased momentum where things that took five years will only take six months. We're going to see, you know, where the, the, the plowman overtakes the reaper. We're going to see, you know, these things begin to happen because we are in the last of the last of the last days. And God is bringing forth some great things that will mature the body of Christ. And praise the Lord. Thank God for ministries like Pastor Earl's that are helping us mature, helping us grow, talking to us straight. Amen? Because that's what we need. We don't need no mamby-pamby anymore. We need straight talk. Amen? You believe Jesus talks straight? Amen. He talks straight. And praise God, we're honored to have Pastor Earl with us. All the way from St. Augustine, Florida. Do not hold that against him. My good friend, Pastor Earl Glisson. Let's give him a warm welcome as he comes up here. Amen. Hallelujah. You might need this. Amen. Well, it's been good to be in Manfred already. Joshua Clay is with me back there in the back. Most of y'all know Joshua Clay. Uh, He's traveled to be our creative guy. And um, so, Joshua, we're training him to hear the Holy Ghost. Right? So, now, I'll give it. Joshua has traveled with me to two places in the States to minister at other churches. We went to Alabama this year, and now we're here in Oklahoma. And um, both times Joshua Clay has worked the product table, someone has come by and bought everything. So I don't know why we don't bring more product. (laughs) So, you know, he's like, well, we brought this much, you know. And um, next thing you know, someone comes by and says, I want to buy it all. So this morning we sold out. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Because somebody in the church believed you need what we had on our table and he didn't want, they didn't wait for you to purchase it. So I have product, it's just it's already sold. And so we're going to give it away. At least I'm going to give these away and then you get with Josh whatever's left, all right? Uh, you know, just to go through because I got some things stirring in my spirit. The good news is we don't have to leave till midnight, so we're going to be good. Hallelujah. Say amen anyway. Because I'll give you permission to leave anytime you want to. I'll just say something when you go. No problem. I'll say, see you later. We'll see you in the morning. Sorry you couldn't make it to the end. But when your team is at, you know, two minutes left in the game and they're driving, then you just get up and go on out. All right, don't shout me down because I'm... I like y'all. All right, so this book here is called The King is Calling. Uh, this is an excerpt from when Lazarus came out of the grave. I have a type and shadow of how this is us coming out of the grave and coming into life. All right? And there's a, I don't want to uh, uh, spoil it for you, but you'll be surprised 
who unwraps clothes. With that being said, this is a good evangelistic book as well. So I like to give this to somebody who's going to read it or at least give it to somebody that's lost. All right, anybody at all? Oh, good. Here, I'll give it to you, James. James, man, we actually could get a bunch to you. This might be a good idea. Yeah, this might be a good idea. Not because you need to get born again, you understand. I'm just <laughs> because of your ministry. All right, this book here, you know, you know, don't disappoint your pastor by, I mean, fake it. Act like you're going to read and just raise your hand. When I was in Alabama trying to give it away, I'm like, okay, I want you to read it. And the people are like, I'm like, wow, you're not going to read. It's free. It's kind of like the Bible. It's free. You can download every app and get every translation, and yet we still won't read the thing. And we want to know why we have problems. I was given permission to be straight. <laughs> okay. All right. So we wrote this book called More Than a Lot. Uh, we break down the life of Lot. The Bible calls Lot righteous. In fact, Peter wrote, wrote about Lot, who also wrote that the Scriptures was not of any one man's interpretation, but only as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. So if Peter called right, Lot righteous, then he must have been righteous. The problem is his righteousness was not enough to change his community. So we got to have a righteousness more than a lot if we're going to transform our communities. Anybody want to read this one here? Ah, nice hand. Well, she's got it going on. Y'all need to follow her example. Okay, this book here, uh, I think I might have preached this at the, one of the uh, fight, fight club that we, you did here one time. Uh, it's called Vision Beyond Sight. And this is the life of Samson. Samson is the saddest historical character we have in the Bible. Because he has wasted potential. For the Bible tells us that God would start a work with him. He would begin one, but he could not finish it because he squandered the anointing. And he did not gain his vision until he lost his sight. Anybody like to read this book here? Ah, okay. This girl right behind you. Oh, you thought I was giving it. You didn't raise your hand. She didn't raise her hand. Yeah. I have an altar call later on to die. You might need to come up. Um, then obviously here's the force. This is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring, since that's what the Bible's about. It's not about the reli- Oh, you're going to raise? She's repented already. I will totally give it to you now. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Maybe uh, I can get Pastor Greg uh, to read it, and you can get in y'all's uh, uh, school. be a textbook for you. Okay. This is the latest book uh, in print that I've written. Uh, it's called Equip. This was uh, three years when we were interesting. In 2017, the Lord said, I want you to minister this year about equipped. Because I, I found out, you know, that God never intended us to educate the body. Because education alone, the best you can produce is a Pharisee. He said that we are to equip the saints, not to just educate them. So then in 2018, he says, we're going to continue the subject of equipped. Then 2019, we continued the subject of equipped. Then in 2020, he said, this is the year to reign. And COVID hit. I found out who got equipped. So God set us up three years getting ready for something that was coming. I'm, I'm glad to say we lost one only. Only had one person. 
who couldn't overcome the fear of COVID. The rest stayed and we added because we were the only church open in our community. All right. So this is equipped. Yes, ma'am. I'll give it to you. You're welcome. All right. Now, the truth is every book is available. All you got to do is go get it. Um, so really it's how fast you can get out there and get what's left on the table. Amen. Uh, my wife, uh, Pastor Marcy or my wife, Marcy, um, is not with us this week. Uh, we've done a lot of traveling this year. I think I was making up for COVID. And, um, so I was like, yes to everybody, you know, yes, 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 yes. And, um, so, you know, we did a lot of out of country, uh, traveling this year in the country, traveling this year. Then my responsibility with Rama. Uh, I'm the regional director in the state of Florida and for the Caribbean for them. And so, um, you know, if Pastor Hagen has a meeting, I'm there because I cannot represent Rama unless I'm submitted. This is what I love about the pastors that are here connected with Pastor Greg. You cannot represent the organization unless you show up. So you have to be personally present. And, you know, in the state of Florida, there's a lot of pastors that call themselves Rama, but they haven't been to Rama in 20-something years. I have a problem with that. Um, Pastor himself, you know, would love them to come back. So, you know, I'm just a little more assertive and, you know, try to help encourage that process. Anyway, with that being said, we've had a lot of uh, travel, but we're going to India um, because um, there's a church that I've had a relationship with for over a decade. And we underwrite a a orphanage where we take care of 15 girls there. And um, the pastor, through our relationship, came to me and he said, Pastor Earl, because I introduced the kingdom to him. And um, he said, you know, through all the years, he said, at the end of the day, I just think we should become an Anchor Faith Church. Now, I had never intended to actually plant Anchor Faith Churches. It just happened. Uh, The first one was in Valdosta where someone was there. And when I was helping them, the Lord said, ask them if they want to be an Anchor Faith Church, which shocked me. Uh, But I did. They say yes. And then all of a sudden, we have two. They ended up coming to us. And the pastor that's there now has been there for 12 years. And this church is going awesome. Uh, out of that, we planted another one in Managua, Nicaragua, where a pastor through the Assemblies of God had a brother that he could not uh, allow to be a senior pastor because he had been divorced earlier, and the Assemblies of God will let you do any ministry except senior pastor if you're divorced. Kind of stupid, but whatever. With that being said, um, he, ca- he showed up one day on his own, got his own flight, and came to our Kingdom Rise conference. Uh, we were holding these kind of annually. This particular year, we ended up going to every other year, and that year we were not doing it, and he showed up. And we conversed, and next thing you know, we flipped his church to an Anchorfade church. Since then, we have three more besides his in Managua. So we have four Anchorfade churches in Managua. We're planning one in Lyon at the beginning of the year, another one in Porta Plata, Dominican Republic. And so, you know, um, hey, we're just planting churches now. So, you know, uh, obviously I'm having to, you know, be a little reactive and say, okay, what does this organization look like? And how are we going to, you know, um, oversee these pastors of the churches that carry our name? And so, you know, um, obviously we're in the process of doing those things. But with that being said, Pastor Marcy and I are going to India November 6th. We were invited by uh, 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 a pastor and his wife that we've been a a few times um, in Albania uh, to their church and then really to m- teach at Rainbow Bible Training College in Albania. And they're holding a women's meeting, asked if my wife could do that. I said, well, we're already going to be in India. I said, if you can work it around us, we'll just swing through on the way back. 
we're just waiting through. Since we're close, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, we are doing that. So we'll be out November 6th through the 20th. And my wife's like, I can come, but, you know, it may be better I stay since we'll be gone so long since we've been out. And I said, yeah, probably so. So she ministered to today and she'll minister. So she says, hello, she loves you. For those who know her, for those who don't, you've missed out. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, okay. So anyway, uh, she asked if I said anything. I told her no, and I would fix that tonight. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I need three people to come up real quick. Three. Hurry up. Ron, three people. Three. Just three. Thank you. Wow. This is going to be great. Okay, thank you. Come on over here. Come here, stand by me. Y'all get in a line, face everybody. All right, I need three more people to come up. Three more. Come on. We'll be here all night if y'all don't respond faster. Three more people. All right, we're checking whether people can count. All right. I need three more people to come up right now. Well, this is good. At least we're getting quicker. I need three more people to come up right now. Come on, come around here. Whoa. Now we're getting, now we're getting serious. Okay. I got four, but I'll keep the one. I need two more to come who are coming to come on up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Are you coming too? Oh, okay. You're an extra. Go ahead. I'll take the extra. It's fine. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is a visual of what I got in the spirit, Pastor, and I, and I know that I was right because of what you just said. But the Lord said, he said in Matthew 20, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out to hire laborers for his vineyard. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And when he went out, he grabbed some people. This is our first three. Then the third hour, he grabbed some more. That's our next three. Sixth hour, he grabs some more. That's our next three. The ninth hour, he grabs some more. That's our next three. And then in the eleventh hour, well, we got four. <laughs> and then it was time to give the wage in the twelfth hour, and he started here. I want to pay you. You want to look at me? I got some money for you. Sure, okay, great. okay. <laughs> 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 you got pockets. You hear me? So he pays the last first. And he gives out to each one. And obviously, Pastor Kenny's like, wow, this is pretty cool. That lady got what we agreed to in the beginning. And if she got that with one hour, then I'm going to get 12. But then when he got to him, he gave them what they agreed on. And then he complained. And I heard this in the spirit. Yes, time is exceedingly 
quicker because of the time. So those who have been here the longest need to get ready for the 11th hour worker and not be jealous of those that are coming. Nothing will hinder your harvest more than you be a complainer because you've been here longer serving and those coming in now are functioning in the same anointing and capacity and move of the Spirit that you have, but you've been here longer. I want to remind you, it won't take as long to train them. So instead of being jealous, get excited because they'll actually win the trials faster than you did, champion them, and be excited. Because it may have taken you 10 years to get on a platform, and they get there in six months. But if you'll keep that perspective, then there'll never be anything that can hinder this work ever in Manford. Can you receive that by the Spirit of the Lord? Amen. You can be seated. The anointing will grow more and the, the, the move of the Spirit will be more as we all actually get in our assignments. So there are some things you'll have to condition yourself. Number one is quit trying to get a word from God. Come and do your purpose. I found that I never was prophesied over ever, ever. As a believer, man, there are many Brother Hagen meetings I was in. You just want him to call you out. There were other ministers there that started moving in the prophetic, and you wanted them to call you out because you're asking questions. You're trying to figure things out. But he never did that. He always answered me personally. But I remember the first time a minister called me out, my wife. One began to pray in tongues. The other one interpreted the tongues. And really basically said, before we started the ministry, he said, you don't have 20 years to build it. That it'd be quicker. And said quite a few things about that. You know, and I'm like, wow, I've never had someone prophesy over me. But then I realized, well, this wasn't for me. It was the church. I only got prophesied over because I represented the overseer of the vision. And I found that any prophecy that ever came over me was always beyond me. That it wasn't just actually for me, but it was beyond me. It included me, but it wasn't just for me. Because many times we come in with expectation for personal words instead of the words that go beyond our lives, but affects our lives. Remember, you are a water hose. And water hoses get wet, but they're not designed to keep it. They're designed to release it. It's for some other purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. So I want to talk to you about the king's anointing tonight. I want to talk to you about the king's anointing. The king's anointing. The king's anointing. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 it said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over all Every creeping thing that creeps over the earth, over all the earth. So God made both man and woman, male and female. He created them to both have this dominion. He anointed them with the power to rule. But Adam ate the fruit God told him not to eat. There were more fruit in the garden to maintain his righteousness. 
than there was to bring sin into the world. And as we say in multiple places, it's easy to say it here because you've been trained well, is that where would Adam be if he had never eaten a fruit? He obviously would be on the same planet we are today because the fruit, eating the fruit is why he would die. So if he never eats the fruit, he doesn't die. He's still here and we would have been able to shake his hand. Correct? Which tells us then Adam was never trying to go to heaven because heaven always came here. God always came down. In fact, the whole Bible is about God coming down. I said it's always about God coming down. The only reason why we had to go up is because man fell. I said because man fell. And so man was given dominion. There was something taken from him when he fell. And it was dominion. I said it was dominion. We know that he gave it. The devil didn't steal it. For the devil tells in Luke chapter 4 when he's tempting Jesus and takes him to a high pinnacle and shows him all the domains or kingdoms in a moment of time. He said, all these kingdoms I'll give you for they've been what? Handed over to me. He did not steal them. Adam willfully abdicated the throne of earth in order to give it to the devil who became the god of this world or the ruler of this world or the one who had dominion. And we say world, we're not saying planet because God never lost planet earth. The earth is the Lord's. But the systems within the planet is the world and that's what the devil received and he works within the systems. That's why you always feel like you're getting cheated by the systems. Well, it's because they're his systems. And in order for you to get in a different system or be a part of a different world, then you've got to come out of this world and get into a different world, a different system. That's why Jesus said repent, which is not a religious word. It means change your thinking. Side with my party. For the kingdom of God is at hand, my rule, my reign, my way of doing is available for you to function in the earth again. And you'll get it by birthright. I said you'll get it by birthright. You'll actually become children of God, sons of and daughters of the king. Are you hearing me? Citizens whose names are written in heaven. And you're an ambassador for Christ. Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one in his anointing. What does that even mean? Well, it means that a king is anointed. Right? Now, where do we see this first described? Well, in the Bible we see it because obviously when Adam ate the fruit, the glory left. So by all rights, the anointing left. And when God was functioning with his nation, he himself was king. He would take them into battles and they would win. He was with them at all times. But then, because they led, were led by sight, they were stuck in the sight realm. Eventually, they raised up within the uh, land that God gave them, the land that would flow with milk and honey. They finally get into this location, and they see all the other natural kingdoms of the world. And they say, you know what? We want to see our king too. So the prophet says, no, you don't. We have a king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6, God, as he's talking to the prophet, the prophet says, look, you know, this is what they want. He said, give the people what they want. For they've not rejected you, they've rejected me as king. As their ruler. 
because the Deuteronomy 28 lets us know how you're going to be the most prosperous nation on the planet. All you have to do is obey the voice of the king. Sin is simply disobeying God's voice. That was Adam's transgression. He disobeyed the word of the king. Do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat, you will surely die. This is why God loves something better than sacrifice. Burn offerings and sacrifices. What is it? Obedience. Because if you obey, you don't have to sacrifice. In essence, don't do it your way and keep asking for forgiveness. Because God doesn't delight in constantly you having to forgive him for something now you're capable of doing. Called obeying. All right, I'll go over here. The church as a whole, not this one, loves forgiveness. Yet, Christ died once and for all, for all your sins, so that you can rule and reign in this life. You can renew your mind to the spirit that is alive in God. You can have the mind of Christ so that you don't have to sin. Because 1 John says our spirit is incapable of sinning. So if we'll renew our minds and uh, hook up with our spirit that is listening to the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us speaking to our spirit, then every time a situation comes, we can enact the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus because we've been redeemed from the law of sin and death. So we can be like Jesus in this context that from now on we may be tempted on all accounts, but we don't even have to sin because he didn't sin because he put the same spirit in us that he has and the same anointing that he has. So instead of confessing I'm a sorry sinner saved by grace, we should acknowledge I was a sinner, I've been saved by grace, Through faith, now I'm a believer, I'm a child of God, I'm free from sin. It doesn't have dominion over me. It doesn't tell me what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. It doesn't rule me anymore. I have been given that dominion. So when man wants to see his king, God gives us what it's like to have kingship. He says, well, we're going to anoint the guy they want. Because why didn't he just, okay, yeah, I'll go there. We treat this forgiveness so flippantly. So flippantly. God the Father comes down and says, Adam, where are you? And we know that he could find him. So what's he really saying? What position are you in now? He said, well, we heard you coming. We were afraid because we were naked, so we hid ourselves. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat the fruit? I told you not to. So he goes and blames God. Well, it's that woman you gave me. It's your fault. So I always know when sin's in the house, When a man won't take personal responsibility. That his first response is blaming something else. Eve at least was truthful. I was deceived. And that's the truth. She was. 
Adam's never blown it. He was perfect, been perfect. Why didn't God just say, well, son, I forgive you. He didn't do that. I said he didn't do that. Now, does he want to forgive him? Yep. But I can't give you forgiveness until what you've created is paid for. When you eat the fruit, you'll what? Die. Through one man's transgression, what entered the world? Sin. Enter the world. What is sin? What's the wage of sin? So a price has to be paid. Have you been bought and paid for? Have you been redeemed? Have you been ransomed? So you understand when we say, I forgive you, it is a high value. And unless you actually repent, forgiveness cannot be applied. We in the church are too quick to forgive people that may not have actually repented from what they've done. So, we get back to the king. He says, all right, give them who they want. So, he says, Samuel, I want you to anoint this guy with oil. Are you hearing me? And so, they anointed Saul, and it changed him. I said it changed him. It turned him into something different. But here's the problem with the anointing. The anointing is an endowment of power. In fact, he uses oil. We know in the Old Testament, oil is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. I said the Holy Spirit. Right? But you understand, the anointing will do a lot, but it can't do everything. It is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. But it doesn't mean it will remove if you won't let it. Now, it says that Saul was turned into a new man. Well, but he wasn't turned into a new creature. Are you hearing me? And when the anointing came upon the character of Saul, I say it had a, it turned that anointing to where it created a loss. So let me give you some characteristics. The anointing actually shows up in Saul's life only because the people were rebellious in the first place. And when God anoints us, it's his best way to give man an opportunity To be like him in the earth. The anointing comes on the outward appearance, but its desire is to alter the inward appearance. It has the power to change one into a new person. The problem is, is that Saul failed to do what was required of kings. And Samuel laid out what was required of kings. If you're going to be a man in the earth as a king, anointed of God, then you're going to have to read my law. you got to keep it in front of you. It's my word and my word alone 
that will help the anointing on your life stay active. So when he failed to do this, failure to renew your mind to the anointing place upon you will open up opportunities for you to act your own way. So in essence, a person anointed but wants to remain themselves. They compromise the command of God for the company of people. Saul quit obeying God because of the pressure of people. Although he had the anointed to stand against it because he wouldn't renew his mind, he, it was a loss in his life that ultimately he lost the anointing. Are you hearing me? And there are many people that God wants to have his anointing on, but because they have too much ties still to the world, the very anointing that can change their life won't change their life because it's exposing their character. The anointing will not change an insecure person if the insecure person doesn't want to change. It will only highlight their insecurities. And ultimately, the insecurities will cause them to lose the anointing. Oh, I'm preaching better and I'm getting shouted at, but that's fine. Amen. You know somebody else not to use this problem. But this is why a lot of believers are functioning in a way is because they will not let God transform them. And they know, they, they love getting in services where the power of God falls. They'll fall down. They'll sense the tangible power. They'll pray in tongues, sing in tongues. They'll shout. They'll run. But yet by Thursday, they've lost the anointing. Are you hearing me? This is very problematic. The anointing suffers when one wants the accolades of men more than God. Given to pressures of people rather than relying on the anointing they possess. It's an indicator your anointing is being lost when um, the one... Uh, let me see how this is. The indication... Your anointing is being lost is when one controls the sacrifice instead of being fully obedient. In essence, he said, kill them all. But he says, you know what? I'm keeping the best and I'll sacrifice. You know what? This is really what this sounds like today. Ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I'm going to say that again. You know what? Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And the only reason why you're saying that is because you're going to do it your way, even though you know that it might not be the way it's supposed to be done. And you'll take the rebuke and say, please forgive me, which means you actually hadn't changed your mind about it, and you're probably not sorry you did it in the first place, and you're really just kind of sorry you got called, and you're going to try to do it better and different the other way. Just say amen anyway. No, if you think, well, we should probably ask pastor. Then you better ask pastor. Well, we should ask the person over this area. Then you should ask. Well, let's just do it anyway. If we're wrong, you know, we'll just ask for. So you're willing to sacrifice instead of just being obedient in the first place. 
So many are losing the effect of the anointing God wants in their life simply because they still function in disobedience. One of the greatest epidemics of disobedience in the church today, you're going to hate me for this, but that's fine. I'm leaving uh, Thursday. And I didn't come for your popularity anyway. Um, I came on assignment. But the reality is, is that most people fail in one of the most basic principles, and that is do not forsake the assembling. That you'll sacrifice church time to let your kids play soccer. Because, again, he's your personal savior anyway. And I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. Nobody's not saying that. I'm just saying you're losing the anointing. In essence, you're squandering the opportunity for you to actually rule and reign in this life because you compromise with the world and what's going on out there to decide when you want to come and do something with God. Again, I'm the sweetest one you're going to have. I am the beginning. I'm the cake. I'm the icing. It's, I mean, I can't help you all tomorrow morning when you start getting into the cake. I can't help you with the rest of these people. I'm the sweet one. I'm, this is the nicest preaching you're going to get. <laughs> but then we got this other anointing that will begin to manifest, and that is when people are trying to mimic an anointing. They want to mimic an anointing. And we learn this from Absalom. Absalom has a right to the anointing. And we don't know whether he's picked or not. And ultimately we know he's not. So since he feels threatened by the fact that someone else may get picked, he decides to anoint himself. This is what I call when, the, when you try to have self-anointing, it exposes your lust. All right. See, when you have a lust for the anointing, a sign by God for another. How do we know this is on people when they walk in like they're anointed? Because they believe their judgments to be superior to their leaders. Now, you may be anointed, but the problem is you're trying to function in anointing that you don't actually carry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, I know pastor's busy. I deal with that right out the gate. I just tell them, in our vision partnership, I just tell you right now. I said, don't buy the lie. You're going to say, pastor, I know you're busy. Yes, but I'm only as busy as my schedule. So just get in it. Who leaves their dentist because I can't get in today? You call your dentist, I got to get my teeth cleaned. Well, okay, we got an appointment. That's two months from now. Okay, we'll see you then. And you have no problem with that. You don't say, no, you're going to come over to the house tonight. That's what you're going to do. I go find me another dentist. Dentist be like, click. Are you hearing me? The mechanic, you know, we'll get to your car. And then you get a rental. You're like, when's my car going to be done? Well, you're scheduled for. 
Everybody else can schedule your life. In fact, the little peewee league schedules your life. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. That's fine. Let me go over here. <laughs> they schedule your life, right? They're like, how long is practice? Well, it's two hours. So you hang out for two hours. Two hours of your life watching a bunch of kids who will never go to the football field professionally, never go play professional baseball, never play professional soccer. Oh, little Johnny, and your kid stinks. He's really no good. But I get it, all right? You're just trying to invest in your family. I get it. That's why you're putting them in the, the league so that they can get a participation trophy. I'm like, what's the score? Oh, we're not keeping the score. Get my son off that field right now. That ain't life. Somebody going to win or lose in this game today. <laughs> my gosh. But yeah, we'd be like, well, hey, where were you at on, where were you at Wednesday night? Well, you know, Pastor, we tried to get there, but the practice went long. Oh, y'all don't, yeah, yeah. It is asinine. Asinine thinking that has creeped into the church. That we will allow all these other things to pass. But then pastor's like, okay, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. Uh, I, got a, I got a slot three weeks on Tuesday. Oh, my God. Pastor can't meet with me. Oh my. He don't love, he ain't gotten so big. He just don't love nobody. And then you got the lust anointing people out there. Oh, I'll meet with you since pastor's so busy. I can help you. You know, pastor's busy anyway. Why? Because they haven't allowed their character to be. You know, more ministries fail. And Paul, uh, Paul wrote about it. He said, look, I can only send you Timothy. Rest these people traveling with me. They seek their own interest. They are self-seekers. I'm trying to get it out of them, but that's all they are. And the only person I can send is Timothy. Why? Because he's not come self-promote. He's going to genuinely care for you on my behalf. Are you hearing me? I have 83 employees at Anchor Faith Church. 83. And anytime they go out, I'm curious how they represent them. When they go minister, how they represent them. I mean, I follow up because everything's online now. I say, I wonder how they represented the church. The place where they're planted, they gave this opportunity for them to be able to go out, and I didn't restrain them. I released their gift. Why? Because you can't stop me. I'm definitely not going to try to stop you. Got to stop you if you try to take what I'm doing. That's the problem with God, not me. Are you hearing me? See, outwardly they portray perfection, but inwardly they're full of corruption. You know, Absalom was the most beautiful guy. He looked like a prima donna. But on the inside, he was dead. What happens when these people that are anointed of God with selfish ambitions come into the church? Now, they have an anointing. But because they will not let God renew their selfish minds... Their personal agendas. There, in essence, they come into the house and say, we will define God and God will submit to our definition of him. Instead of, God, you define you and I'll submit to your definition. 
Selfish ambitions rule their behavior. They're self-appointed. They falsely imitate concerns for others. All the while, they're only concerned for themselves. Because the anointing, I said the anointing will expose who they are. Even though it's the same anointing that's trying to remove the burden and destroy the yoke. Are you hearing me? The thing is, the only thing that can set you free is the word. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, the Son is not the Holy Ghost. And the Son is not the anointing. The Son is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and His name is? So the Word's the only thing that can set you free. More anointing don't set you free. It's the Word. I said it's the Word. But good news. Say good news. There's another anointing for you. I said there's another anointing for you if you have the right heart. We know that because man fell from dominion, Jesus had to come back. And he has to come as a man because God has given away the earth. Given its rule. He said the highest heavens are the Lord's in Psalms 115. And the earth he has given to the sons of man. So, man, you rule the system here that I want to be a reflection of my system. So, when Jesus said, now, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father. Whose Father? Our, not His Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be on as it is. So, Adam was to have heaven on earth. It's not heaven because heaven's heaven. But this heaven on earth, or it's heaven's will, heaven's culture, heaven's uh, way of doing things, heaven's blessings, heaven's lifestyle, heaven's freedom. All of that. That environment. And he could have. And God, the Father, does not have to give him all information for him to be successful. He said, just don't eat the fruit of the tree. He didn't say, son, can you walk with me today? Come on, walk with me, son. Walk with me. You look like Adam. You got a beard. <laughs> son, you know I come here and talk to you in the cool yeah. of the day, right? Yeah. I lo- you, know, you know I love you. Yeah. Oh, you want me to say that? Okay, I'll come back to that. Maybe I should say it now. Okay, I'll say it now. Can you stand here and we'll pick up that conversation yeah. now? Do you believe that God the Father loved Adam? Yeah. Do you believe that Adam loved the Father? How did God know that Adam loved him? Adam, he breathed into this skin suit, and he became a living soul, and he was in the image of God, the DNA of God. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and God is love, so by all rights, Adam should be loved. But how does he know he actually loves him? Because the minute he gave him free will, how does he know? Is it because Adam says, Dad, I love you? No. He had to him to prove his love because Jesus defined how love was proven. Jesus said, if you love me. 
So why are we acting like we love Jesus? Because we just say, I love you, Jesus. Because that's not Bible definition of love or loving God. So he says, prove it. You can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat, you'll die. And if you love me, you'll never eat that fruit. Adam had to prove he loved, even though he was loved by nature. Hey, son. So, listen, I just want you to know, I had a little issue in heaven. So I had this anointed cherub that I created. I mean, we were tight, bro. I mean, I loved him to death, man. I mean, he was really awesome, beautiful, gorgeous guy, right? I mean, I made him look good. He could, man, he could, he had all kind of, you know, I don't want to explain it. Anyway, listen, he got lifted up in pride, and he, he tried to take my throne over. Seriously? I'm like, really? You're going to try to take my throne? Like, that is, I mean, that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life. So anyway, I kicked him out. So he's not there. But I sent him here. Thank you. Yeah. That's all right. You're in my image. So, you know, if you see somebody hanging around, it's kind of weird. I just want to warn you. Did he do that? No. He never told him. Because the word he gave him gave him life. And he was already in his image that Adam should have said, how come you're saying something different? than what my father says. So I have a word called keep that he's commanded me concerning this garden, and I command you to leave. And we could have skipped this whole little process. You can be seated. Are you hearing me? So God has to send a man because he's given the earth to man. And notice this. Adam and Eve probably had a girl. She's not recorded, but how many of you believe they probably had a daughter? Probably didn't have just a bunch of guys. I mean, a female showed up from the womb somewhere. And by all rights, the first girl would have been a virgin. Are you hearing me? Because Mary is the seed of man. Why in the world did God wait so long? I'm not going to answer that question for you. I'm just giving you a selah. <laughs> Think on those things. I'm just saying our time frame and God's time frames, two different time frames, and God's not moved by your emergency. And neither am I as a pastor. Because if it's that much emergency, you better go straight to God and get with the Holy Ghost because you're wasting your time trying to meet with me. If it's that much of an emergency. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just say amen anyway. Pastor, it's an emergency. We'll call the Holy Ghost, man. Apparently, that's what you need. Why are you coming through me? All right. Um, so, we know Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born. A son is given. Notice the son is not born. He's given because the son always existed. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. I know you all know this scripture from here, but it bears repeating. It's not the religion, not Christianity, but the government will rest upon his shoulders. The shoulders are located in the body. 
And the body is us. So the government of God rests in us. You are the government of God. You are the government of God. You are God's government agency in this planet today. He goes on and says in verse 7, there'll be no, there'll, uh, there will, he'll be the father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. In order to establish it with ju- judgment and justice from the time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Jesus did not come to bring religi- religious or Christianity for that matter. He came to bring a kingdom. Of which Jesus testified of this in Matthew chapter 4 verse 7. He said from that time Jesus began to preach the good news. It's the gospel. There is no other gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is not the gospel. It's the doorway to the gospel. It's the doorway. Jesus did not preach. Believe in your heart. That I died on the cross and rose from the grave. He did not preach that. In fact, he only made the statement born again at night to a religious guy. He did not publicly preach that. Now, I'm not, am I saying that you don't have to be born again? Absolutely, you have to be born again. We know this. And we have to know that you have to believe that Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose from the grave. Right? But that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is the kingdom. So that when people's like, I want to get in that, then you say, well, you must believe. That Jesus paid your rebellious, treasonous payment. That he is the doorway in. He is legal immigration. Right? But again, technically, there is no immigration even in the kingdom anyway, because we are actually born citizens. In essence, in, in essence, for you to come through the immigration wall or gate, they actually have a burial service of you on the other side. So God doesn't take you as you are. He kills who you are on the other side and brings you in as a brand new person. Right? Are you hearing me? So the as you are can only make it to the door. And then it can't come in anymore. Because that man's supposed to be dead. And so Jesus then has to come as a man. He preaches the kingdom of God. He says, I'm going to set up my rule. But before he preaches his first message, I mean, he's without sin, people. I mean, he's in a synagogue at a young age, and he is causing the Pharisees to freak out over his wisdom. The guy's super smart. He can interpret scripture like nobody's business. Why? Because it's him. He said, I found myself in the book. I was reading my own pages. I realize I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. And as the king, I can't just sit on the throne. I have to first pay the price so I can get some other kings. Right? So here's a perfect guy, doesn't sin, is God in the flesh, and before he can go minister, the Lord says, son, go get baptized. When he finds John, he says, John... You need to baptize me. John said, hold on a second. You should be baptizing me because I've been telling everybody one's coming after me that I don't even worthy to untie the man's sandals. But I baptize water. He's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. You should baptize me. The problem is I can't baptize you till I get baptized. 
Are you hearing me? And then I got to do a few things. Die, be raised up. Then I'll hook you up, bro. Problem is, I'm not going to hook you up here. I'll find you in paradise and you'll go with me from there. Are you hearing me? And so he says, do it so that all scripture can be fulfilled. In essence, dad said this has to occur. So he drops him down in the water. And when he comes up, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit did what? Came upon him like a dove. And all of a sudden, an announcement comes out from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well In essence, it was the announcement to the world. The king is officially anointed. For Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, The spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me, for he has anointed me. So Jesus Christ, without sin, doesn't even go talk to the devil until he gets the king's anointing. Because what happened to Samuel, what Samuel did to Saul and then to David, and then David ended up going and, you know, the prophet Nathan, I think it was, ends up doing it to Solomon and yada, yada, yada on down the line. It was a type and shadow of the king that would come from the throne of David, but he wouldn't have natural oil come upon him. He would actually have the oil or the Holy Spirit come upon him and he would be anointed. In essence, the declaration of his kingship, because when Samuel poured out the anointing on Saul, he said, Israel, here's your king. When Jesus came up out of the Jordan, the father says, Israel, here's your king. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Are you hearing me? And he functioned as a king, even though he will die a martyr. He is the lamb that is slain, but it doesn't reduce his kingship. He just knows I can't take the throne yet. There's some business first that must be taken care of because unless a wheat, uh, uh, a grain of wheat falls in the ground, it will stay alone but if it goes in the ground and dies then it will produce many fruits after its own kind so god never intended for him to die alone uh, to stay alone but he gave the opportunity so that we could call on his name and receive his likeness that's why we're called in christ we've been raised up seated together With him in Christ. Christ is not last name. You know this. Christ is the anointed one in his anointing. And when you're in Christ, you're in that anointing. Which literally just means you're in Christ or in the king. Every time you hear Christ, you need to hear king, 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 king. And you may say, well, why didn't they say Jesus the king? Jesus the king. Well, Pilate called him the king. He said, this is the king of the Jews. Jesus called himself the king, for we read this morning, for this cause I've come. I'm king. But you understand this, we don't say to the Egyptians, why you call him a pharaoh? Call him king. Rome, why don't you call him king? Why you call him Caesar? So God calls his Messiah, or calls him Christ, by all rights it still means king. And here's the problem. The whole nation of Israel missed their king 
because they didn't recognize the king first has an assignment as a suffering servant or the lamb that must be slain. They're looking for the king to show up, get on the throne, and rule forever. That's later. And it's still going to happen. Here's the problem. The church is expecting a lamb to show back up. And the church is not ready for what's to come because they have no context of the kingdom. Because they think that Jesus is going to come all soft and white. But he's not coming soft and white. He's coming to rule. He's coming to reign. And he'll reign with an iron scepter. And that'll be love doing that. Love will do this. And many of us are not ready. Why? Because we negotiate with our king now. We debate with him. Even though he clearly says, crucify the flesh. Live by the spirit. And you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. Renew your minds. Be transformed by the renewal. All these things he's telling us. And and then he gives this one. This is the big one. And I love that he did this because he knew how problematic his little kings would be. He says, now listen, I command you to love one another. And you mean you can look across the aisle at somebody and have an offense? Or you can leave this church because you're offended? Why? Because we're still looking at a lamb so that we can hold our offense and then later on we realize we've been caught. Oh, forgive me. When the king's like, have I anointed you? Have I anointed you? Do you have my nature? Do you have my kingship? Do you have my dominion? And you're going to let that dominate you? Acts 10, 38. And look how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And God was with him. Jesus said, the works that I do, even greater works you'll do. I say this down in Florida. You definitely should do this in Oklahoma. But I tell, I said, why is it that we, when we say the works that you do, you know, the works that I do, you'll do. And greater works than these. That the ones that we default to is laying hands on the sick. Casting out devils. And the occasional, I want to believe, that we could raise the dead. But most of them, they default to laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. You know what? Jesus did way more works than just those two things. You know what else he did? He talked to weather. So it's not foreign for me when a hurricane comes up, and I love it when they name them. Naming's great. Why? Because the minute they name it, I got a name above that name. I said, I got a name above that name. And then all I got to do is talk to the king. What are we doing with this one? Are you hearing me? Now, let me tell you how, how my life is so in line with the Lord. I ask for permission when I can take off. Lord, when do, when, when do you want me 
to do something with my wife. Because you got to understand this. I don't take vacations to rest. I'm at perpetual rest. I mean, vacations don't cause me to I am at rest. My purpose is rest. I entered into rest. I retired the day I said, yes, Lord. I retired. I retired. I mean, this is the greatest life ever. Because if you look at retired people, what is it? They got enough money so that they can now do what they want to do. Which means you're a slave to the system. I made Jesus Lord of my life. Now I do what he wants to do and I've been made free. So I don't get to call when I get to go on vacation. He does. And he gave me the opportunity in my 32nd year anniversary that was in September to be able to go in September. And my wife and I usually just go uh, camping, honestly. And we take more books. We pray in the spirit more. I mean, I do more with God on vacation because I have no distractions of anybody coming in. Hey, Pastor, can I meet with you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, But I told my wife, I said, you know, it's 32 years. It's my my marriage, too. Um, I want to do a cruise. So we did a cruise. And so I paid for it, right? Nine days, eight nights. We're going to go down to, uh, going to go to Bermuda. Never been to Bermuda. Shoot down then to the Bahamas, their little private island, come back. Okay? And so, no storms, nothing's happening. All of a sudden, we're going to be setting sail, and this storm shows up. And the track takes it straight to Bermuda. I said, devil, you're a liar. Because first of all, God's authorized my time off. Now that I've been authorized from the creator of heaven and earth, Storm, you're going to have to go in another direction. So I said, Lord, where are we going to go? He said, call in between. So I did, and it stayed in between Florida and Bermuda. The only deviation, because again, the fear of man, I can't help that. So instead of us going to Bermuda first, because the storm had just passed, they went down and did the last part first, and we went to Bermuda last. Are you hearing me? Still made the whole trip, did the whole thing. It was awesome. Had a great time. Other than I learned I'll never do another cruise. Because <laughs> I changed my eating, and I was stuck. <laughs> like, this food's horrible. <laughs> I can't find nothing healthy here. Well, we're just going to have a bad week. <laughs> so... I probably put in more sugar than I put in the last year. It was, it was rough. Hallelujah. Like, we'll just fly in from now on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, my point is, is that the same anointing is with you. 1 Timothy 6, 15 says it this way. When appearing, um, he will be shown forth in his own proper time by the blessed, by the blessed, only sovereign ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of, who are those kings? Who are those kings? Who are those kings? Come on, you got to be more confident than that. Who are these kings? When are you these kings? Right now. I'm looking at royalty. You're royalty. Say, well, I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter. You're not led by how you feel or what you look like. You're led by what God calls you. And if he calls you the child of a king, then you're the child of a king and you're a king yourself. The cool thing about God's kingdom is that one of us is not better than the other. We all get to sit in the same seat. We're seated with him. In Christ. In the king. With his authority. 
and his anointing. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the problem with the church is, in this particular says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, right? He said that in Acts 1, 8. So now here they are, day of Pentecost, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes through like a mighty rushing wind, and they all began to speak in tongue, other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They already had the Holy Ghost within because he breathed in them to receive the Holy Ghost. Now they're getting the Holy Ghost upon. In essence, this is the king's anointing day. And yet we've received the anointing as a feeling day. We keep wanting to come because it says be being filled. But the reason you're being being filled is so that you can continue to maintain the anointing of dominion. Of rulership. Of acknowledging and recognizing that you are the king. He said I, he, how God anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. So the Holy Spirit, his anointing authorizes our kingship and then he continues to increase our power of rulership in the territory by which God's assigned us. And what's your territory? Well, it's in your marriage. It's going to be at your place of business. You're going to take territory. It's going to be in your government locally. You rule. The mayor doesn't rule. You rule. Are you hearing me? So the Bible goes on then. Over in 1 John 2, and while you're going there, let me say this. When you do not operate daily in the power of God by the Spirit, you only have an exit strategy mentality of God. When you allow circumstances to reign over you, you only have an exit strategy mentality of God. I'm born again, anointed of God for heaven. That's not why you're born again and anointed of God. You're born again and anointed of God to rule and reign now. First over your own flesh, then over your environment. The anointing husbands doesn't cause you to rule over your wife. In fact, the anointing on your life will cause you to realize how much you share things. Because you understand, Eve was never under her husband until after the fall. First John 2, 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted and operated by the Holy Spirit. All of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds and guards our heart. You have an anointing of the Holy One. You have a king's anointing. Proverbs eight fifteen. just giving you some scripture. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. You understand if there's injustice in the earth, what are you decreeing? What's your decree? You're the one who rules anyway. Psalms 103.4, the Passion Translation says, You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. Do you know you're crowned now? And there's more crowns for you to receive. If you'll function in your dominion. If you'll walk under your king's anointing. He said in Revelations 5.10, he says, For you have made me a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. I said they'll reign upon the earth. So when do you reign upon the earth? When? Now. Not when Jesus comes. Although that's going to make that assignment a lot easier. I'm talking about when he comes and does the millennial reign and we come back with him. Are you hearing me? But we reign now. Because we've received an anointing through our, our sonship. Our born-again experience are being made the righteousness of God in Christ the King. 
that now he's anointed us and letting the world know that this is my king in the earth to do my bidding, to say my decree in my name. You understand, you're not doing it, you're doing it authorized. And this is simple, we already know this in the natural, if the president, President Biden right now, if he authorized me with a letter and his name on it, and the seal of his presidency, to go into some place and receive resource, you understand, I'm getting them in his name. I have to take it. When I was in the military, they would go attention to orders. And now a piece of paper would be read that was signed by the governor. Didn't seem he wasn't there, but the writing and his name and his seal meant I had to do what he said. Well, if that happens in the natural, how much more of our king, who his word is more sure and forever settled in heaven, that we've been authorized to say things in his name. So not are you not only are you individually anointed, but there is an anointing greater. Kenneth E. Hagin said it this way, and I'm closing. I'm thoroughly convinced, although you can neither prove nor disprove it in it by the Bible, that we as the body of Christ as a whole, as a whole, have the same measure of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did. But we as individual members of the body of Christ do not. Because you understand, the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart. We've received faith by measure. The Holy Spirit upon us is for the gift God has made us to be. And he says that we are jointed and fitted together where every um, joint brings a supply. You can't bring a supply to a local body church sitting at the house. You can't do it online. Finance is not the only supply. Are you hearing me? And so you have to get connected. And he says that the greatest anointing of all is the corporate anointing. Well, what if I told you the Bible does prove it? I am. Man has a debt to pay. Correct? And his debt, if not paid, puts him in prison. Correct? But in order for us to get out, a price has to be paid. Correct? So, the oil represents the anointing. Yes? A widow, a couple sons whose father died. And she was in debt, couldn't pay it. And went to the prophet and said, Prophet, you know my husband loved the Lord, but he left us in debt, and they've come to collect the debt, and they're going to take my boys. And you understand, as a woman, without her sons, the economy's gone. And what's he say? Well, what do you have? What do you have? She says, I just have a little bit of, she had an anointing. She had a little bit all by herself. He said, um, okay, I want you to do this. You and your son, you go house to house and start gathering vessels. I want you to go get you some vessels and not a few. 
And you collect as many vessels as you can. You ask them, let me have the vessels. Can I have your vessels? Can I have your vessels? Now the vessels are empty. Say, I want you to bring them to the house. Oh, you don't hear this. You don't hear this. Sit down. He didn't say, I want you to go to their house. You got a vessel. Can I pour this in this vessel? Okay, great. Let me go over here. Can I? Hey, do you have a vessel? Yeah. Hey, do you have a vessel? I didn't say that. Said, I want you to go get the vessel, collect them all, and assemble every one of them in the house. And when you get in the house, shut the door. Then I want you to take what you have. And I want you to start to pour it. And she poured. And lo and behold, it just kept going. And just kept going. It's kind of like the end of the syrup bottle. You know, you're like, still going. Still. I mean, who's really stood long enough till it went dry? None of you had. You know what? There might have been a lot of pancakes left for you to put some stuff on that you threw away and discarded that little bit amount. It might have filled up five or six more. Okay. She's poor. Son, it's full. Give me another one. Give me another one. So this corporate, oh my, this corporate anointing now had the power. What her individual anointing could not do, it required a collection of all other vessels to get together so that all the anointing could show up at one time that was enough anointing to pay her debt and cause her to live on the rest. So this is what I hear the Spirit of the Lord say. It's time for Lake Church to receive its corporate anointing. It's corporate anointing. It's corporate anointing. I said it's corporate anointing. It's not enough that you have a little yourself. Because it's not enough to take care of you. It's not enough. That's why God placed you in his body where it pleases him. Because he wants you to get around other vessels. And every time you come to church and you pour yourself into someone else. And it fills them up. And it fills them up. And then they reciprocate. And they say, you know, as you just come to the house of the Lord. Because when you come in as an empty vessel, guess what? Somebody else is going to pour in you and pour in you and pour in you and pour in you. And we all get filled up. Why? So we can pay off what all's going out here in the world. We can, we can be the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God in our homes, in our uh, communities, in our schools, in our government. We can go out and come back in, collect upon the same place. And all those vessels get poured into again. And we can break. Break the yoke and destroy the yoke and break some things off people's lives because we have a corporate king's anointing. So the Lord told me to lay hands on you for your king's anointing. But you got to understand you're not coming to feel. You're not coming to fall out. In fact, I'm going to be very specific in this. When you come before Jesus, what are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to say that again. When you come before Jesus, what are you going to do? You're going to bow down. Because every knee will. So if you want to come receive your king's anointing, I want you to come down. And I want you to bow down so you want to worry about falling. And I'm going to lay hands on you while you're kneeled. All right, it's up to you.
Yep. It's the king's anointing. He didn't anoint you for goosebumps. He didn't anoint you just to lay hands on you and receive an anointing so sickness and disease can leave. He anointed you to rule and reign. And he anointed you to rule and reign as kings together in Manford. Just get down. I'll get to you. I said, I'll get to you. But you're coming because you're saying, look, I want the king's anointing. I'm a vessel that can be uh, depended upon. I'm going to walk in a corporate anointing with the rest of the body so that we can do something. And there are going to be times that pastors are going to say, hey, we need to do this. Like, I'm there. I got an anointing for that. I got anointing for that. I got anointing for that. I'm anointed for that. I'm anointed for that. And when you're out there pouring it out, you say, you know, I got to get back in the house where I can collect with the other vessels because pastor is going to pull, fill you up all the time. Are you hearing me? We're going to let everybody get here. Now, again, I'm just a king like you. But there is a transfer that takes place through the laying on of hands. Most of the time when I go and minister, I'm really John the Baptist. I herald the kingdom, sit down. Most of the time. Most of the time I don't pray for the sick. Most of the time I'm not flowing in the gifts. It does happen. But most of the time I just herald the kingdom. But the Lord told me to lay hands on the kings. In essence, he said, assemble the kings for the work that I've called them to do. Because the corporate anointing is greater than your individual anointing. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to sing something so it won't be just quiet. All right? But if, when I come by, I lay hands on you. You don't have to move. You can stay where you're at. After I've touched you, you can go back to your seat. Again, you're not trying to feel something. I'm not going to say that you are going to feel. I just know that you need to have a belief. Because the Bible says, be being filled. They received the anointing of God on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts chapter 4, they got filled again with the Holy Ghost. So it's be being filled. You can be being filled. And some of that uh, response is, you may just go ahead and start praying in the Spirit where you're at. Some may fall on over. I don't know what to take place. All I know is that you are royalty. You're the children of the king, and corporately we can do way more than we can do individually. And it's time for the kings to arise in Manford and know that you have dominion over your own life and your circumstances around you. And then something that's connected to this vision, you will have dominance in. Because God sent you to serve here to rule and reign in this community for his glory. Receive the anointing. 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 
Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Many, many that anointing break the yoke. Destroy. Destroy. Remove the burden to break the yoke. Receive the anointing. 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 body in Jesus' Receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. Anybody else? Listen, I need to give you another. The widow woman probably wasn't the only house that had a little bit of oil. In fact, it may have been houses with more oil. 
But the vessel she picked, she couldn't take them to a different house. And use the anointing of that house to fill those vessels. you got to understand, you don't pick your church. God does. And since God placed you at Lake Church, there's only one place that keeps your vessel full. Unless the Lord, you, and your pastor are going to have an agreement and releases you to a different work or a different house. You can go anywhere you want to go. And those places can actually have oil in them. But they won't fill your vessel. Because he's told you to come to this house. And to collect upon this place. And this is where you keep the anointing flowing. To change your community. And you're the most fruitful you can be. Amen. Do you receive that? I said, do you receive that? I love you, Lake Church. I'll be with you the rest of the week. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory. We just give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we don't want to interrupt the Spirit of God. And if you're here tonight and you want to just continue to just soak in that anointing, then we're going to we're going to worship a little bit here, but I I'm going to release all of those that have children and uh, go get your kids and if you want to worship with them, bring them back here. But let's let's get those children's workers relieved. Amen. Hallelujah. But God is good. God is doing something here tonight. He's doing something in your life and in my life. Amen. Impartation. First coming by reflection, the Lord said, reflecting upon where we've been, where we're going, amen? And then impartation for a new season, amen? There's a new season ahead. I said there's a new season ahead. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you, 10 a.m., Bob Yandian, right here in this auditorium tomorrow. He's alive, he's real, he'll be here, amen? And uh, it's going to be a good time. And then tomorrow night, praise God, we're going to have a powerful time at 7 o'clock. Remember, we're going to be eating at 6 o'clock. And so encourage you to be a part of that. God is not through. He's building and building and building. And there's something God has for you at the local church. Amen? Do you believe that? Amen. So you're dismissed in Jesus' name, but we're going to just go ahead and sing, do whatever you need to do. Praise God. Hallelujah.